I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Well, you know, it's so hard to believe that we are actually getting through this year so fast. You know, um, it's been quite an amazing time. I will tell you, 2021 really showed me something that I never thought I would see before. And that is how many families arrived at our organization to pack cases. You know, I always truly do believe that if you teach your community um, on a problem that we are all having, whether that problem is, you know, in foster care, or it's people who are experiencing homelessness, or it's the fact that we need more help in our food banks. Um, If you teach them what the problem is, and then give them the opportunity, they will step up. And that is exactly what my next guest has done. See, my next guest has started a organization that really brings us together as family and remind everybody, Family is not always your blood, but family is those that you bring close to enjoy the amazing times of things that you do in your life. Christina Lowenstein has the Honeycomb Project, which is based right out of Chicago, but I hear that they are national. We're going to find out all about that. Christina, welcome to Fostering Change. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I will tell you that um, I am all about volunteering. I tell people quite often, each and every one of us, no matter if we're a male or a female, white or black, whatever nationality, every single person in the world, we all have the same exact thing that is the most valuable, and that is our time our time. And so when you volunteer your time, you're giving more than anyone could ever give. So tell my listeners and viewers about the Honeycomb Project. So the Honeycomb Project is a Chicago-based organization uh, founded on the idea of family volunteering. Uh, When my kids were young, I had a really hard time finding meaningful opportunities for our whole family to volunteer together. And so I partnered up with another mom um, from my kids' school to really just get our own families involved in volunteering. And it became apparent very quickly that there were lots of families just like ours really looking to get involved. Yeah, you know, I will have to tell you, um, I find that quite often where people want to do, you know, I do believe that we're all doers, it's the reason the world goes around, but they just don't know the opportunities, you know, and one of the things that I've also noticed is the 
age restrictions that there are for so many nonprofits that are out there. We happen to be a nonprofit at Comfort Cases where we do not have any age restrictions. And just at the end of last year, we actually had an article that came out where a four-year-old had come and volunteered at Comfort Cases and her mother happens to be a blogger and she wrote an article about how she was so surprised that, you know, trying to find opportunities for her four-year-old just she couldn't find them and you know and i always have thought wouldn't it be great if we had like a a master website which by the way i'm gonna throw a little um note out there about my friend bob dalton who's actually created this um that a website where you can go you can find out volunteer opportunities um and how that age restriction so tell me how do you bring you know the honeycomb project to people how do you get your word out yeah so we um really have grown by word of mouth i mean i think that is right? The amazing thing is um, people power in their voice can really transform communities, as you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, so, you know, we started with our group of friends. They told their group of friends, uh, you know, now we mobilize um, 5,000 youth and families from the Chicago area. And we have about 95% of Chicago zip codes represented in our programs. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a really unique way to get out of your neighborhood, um, get out of maybe your school or faith-based network, and just really connect with other folks um, in our community. So do you do anything outside of Chicago? Right now, um, our work is focused in the city of Chicago, all of our in-person programs. But something interesting happened during um, the COVID crisis in that we really wanted to create a lot of opportunities for families wherever they were to get involved. And so we started offering um, a variety of socially distanced programs, um, you know, donation drop-offs. We created a virtual volunteer program. And with that, we found that we were really touching Um, you know, families from all over um, the Chicagoland area, even out of state. And we had teachers using those resources and, um, you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. And so, um, you know, through the last couple of years, our, our reach has really spread. Wow, I absolutely love that. And by the way, I've um, I visited your website. Um, I've seen some of the amazing pictures of of um, the kids, you know, who are volunteering. And again, as adults, we know about this, and we should know we need to volunteer. But there's nothing that I love more than when I see kids helping kids. You know, I say this. There's a T-shirt that we give to kids in our center that says "Kids Helping Kids" because I truly do believe it is the the key to success in our future. You invest in a child today your future will be brighter tomorrow. So tell me some of the things that, you know, you you have actually been able to um, help with when it comes to volunteering. Yeah, I mean, so I think first and foremost, what we discovered pretty quickly was that nonprofit organizations across the city really wanted to get families involved, but they didn't have the staff or resources or right opportunities um, to really engage families in service. And so what we really do is work with those nonprofit partners um, first to really listen to their needs and you know, think about how we can mobilize families to support their missions. And so every program we do is radically different. Um, and what we do is provide those programs and services for free for our nonprofit partners. So we'll bring the staff. If we're cooking in a shelter, we'll bring all the food. We'll bring even the cooking equipment. We'll bring um, our trained team to really help make sure that we can you know, run a catering kitchen with children successfully and prepare a delicious meal. And so, you know, that for us is really important is that we are 
really doing impactful, meaningful work. Um, and the kids are walking away from those experiences more informed um, to really take action. You know, um, as a dad of five kids, my husband and I have raised our kids that, you know, volunteerism is the number one thing in our family. And the fact that they've grown up with their their dads having a nonprofit. Um, what do you think the benefits are, though, for families for volunteering? Yeah, so, I mean, now that we're 10 years in, it's really exciting to watch kids growing with our organization. We're finding that um, kids have volunteered with us four or five, six years. And you know, more than just coming out to our events or looking for service credit, they're really committed uh, to our organization for the long term. And so we're finding that about 30% of Honeycomb kids are inviting their friends to participate. 30% are inviting, uh, are donating goods and services to our partner organizations. And then another 20% actually raise money. So those kids are raising their own money to support the causes um, and partners we work with. And so, you know, there really is this ripple effect um, by giving young people the tools and opportunities and, you know, learning resources um, to volunteer together. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, I, I see that throughout the years. Um, we're on our 10th year as well at Comfort Cases. And it's just, it amazes me when, you know, last summer we actually had a young girl who um, picked flowers out of her yard and she sold these bouquets to raise money to send to us so we can make more cases. So I love when kids, you know, get excited about giving back. You know, it's something that I say quite often on our podcast is empathy is not in our DNA. It is something we must teach our children. And I think that's so important. Listen, everybody, I am so excited about this interview today, because as you all know, volunteering is the most important thing that we can do. Each and every one of us, we are placed here on this planet to serve and to serve each other. And as I say it all the time, lift a human up and you will always stand taller. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. Well, as you know, as you all can see, I wore my merchandise, which is Be a Good Human. And I did that specifically. I know I can get that word out. I did that specifically um, because of our guest, because that's exactly what she and her organization are doing. They're being good humans. And um, as we were just talking during the commercial break, um, we both have the same saying, which is, as you all know, um, I say this um, almost on a daily basis, um, is lead by example lead by example. You know, how can we tell our children to do something if we do not lead by example? So, you know, I would like to know, Christina, when it comes to families and leading by example, you know, we touched base on that on the first part of our show, but I think that there's a lot more when it comes to the, the whole family dynamics of giving back. What do you feel about that? I think it's, you know, really amazing to watch families volunteer together. When we started Honeycomb, this idea of leading by example was so important. You know, I felt like with my own family, I was talking a lot about issues that were important to us, 
but they were so abstract for my kids, you know? And so I really wanted to give them the opportunity um, to connect firsthand with these issues and really, you know, by my side work to, to address um, concerns in our community. And so I think what's really special about family volunteering is you're trusting your children to really step up and serve. And, um, you know, by making that a family experience, right, you're deepening the dialogue, you're giving families a way to really connect with each other. And, you know, kids can watch their parents commit to these causes. And so, um, you know, at Honeycomb, it's the kind of place where we shut down our technology, we roll up our sleeves, you know, we meet our neighbors. And what's been exciting is those parents are leading by example, but now we're seeing those older kids, the teenagers with Honeycomb, leading by example for younger kids within our network just naturally. And I think that is so powerful to see. Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, I will tell you, um, our organization, we're getting ready to celebrate our 10th year as well. And I have seen kids in here that started us with us in the beginning. And now I see them that they're in high school and they're coming in, they're doing their, you know, in our state, we require that kids have to do so many volunteer hours um, before they can graduate, which I absolutely love. And by the way, for all of those that are listening to this, get your county to do that. Again, <laughs> empathy is not in our DNA. And so I love when I see these high school kids in here getting their service learning hours. Um, and I remember when they were five and six and they were, you know, packing cases. You know, one of the things that that has been something that I've always seen a struggle throughout our community. And by the way, I, I, I remind people, your community is not your zip code, my friends. I say it quite often. Your community is not your zip code. It's our human race. Um, so what I do find out within our community is, is you know, Know, making something appealing for a kid. And a good example is, you know, I remember um, when my kids were a little younger than they are now, and I have I have teenagers now, um, we had gone to a homeless shelter. Um, and, and it was kind of scary for my kids and um and they didn't want to go back it wasn't appealing. How do you do that to appeal to kids for with different interests? Mm -hmm. So, um, so right now we have dozens of in-person programs on our calendar, everything from, you know, um, building nature trails along the Chicago River to preparing fresh meals at shelters um, to working in urban farms. So we have a variety of projects to sort of fit any interest, any, um, you know, skill and ability, a wide range of ages. Um, oftentimes we find that um, families let the kids pick their favorite projects or causes that they believe in, um, and that often drives how they participate. Um, you know, and so that's uh, kind of how we've been doing things. Uh, we also provide families with educational content before those projects. And so, you know, kind of, you know, what you mentioned about having maybe a negative experience at a shelter, for us, we really want families to walk in, um, kind of already having those conversations, knowing what to expect. And so we really try to give them the, the materials they need to make the most of those experiences, feel comfortable and, and ready right from the start. So, you know, COVID was hard on everyone. Um, we, it has been, you know, and I think it's still hard on a lot of us, but COVID was hard on everyone. How did COVID affect the Honeycomb Project? We knew that this was a crisis that was going to take time to get through. And we wanted to make sure that as an organization, we were leaning into this moment to really give families an opportunity to give back in a way that was safe. 
um, but also support our partner organizations. And so we really, um, like so many organizations, reimagined our programs. Uh, we created a virtual volunteer program, but again, with that rich educational content so that we made sure that families were still talking about these issues, you know, connecting at a deeper level with each other. And then, um, you know, they delivered donations all throughout our community. They, you know, made PPE <laughs> equipment you know, for um, different hospital workers and, and things like that. And it was just so inspiring to watch, um, you know, while we were all sheltering at home, just families really stepping up and helping our community. Yeah, you know, I really noticed that as well. You know, um, we were very lucky. Um, our governor actually considered us an essential nonprofit. So, um, you know, for the first three or four months, it was just my family and my team's family. But, you know, it was nice to see everybody back in, you know, still making sure. You know, as we end this up, you know, I, I really have... Uh, the important question is I'm trying to figure this out and I can't. So I need your help on this. How do you fund this organization? Because I know as you know, someone who has founded a nonprofit, um, you know, funding is the hardest thing. And, you know, even though we might have the passion for what we're doing and we know our community needs it, it's getting those funds to keep it moving along. Because at the end of the day, I say this quite often, if you do not fill your cup, you cannot fill someone else's. So what, how do you do the funding for this? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, for us, when we started Honeycomb, we knew that we wanted to provide these programs for free for our nonprofit partners. And we knew that we wanted to give every family in the city an opportunity to volunteer with us, um, regardless of income, you know, just come one, come all, right? <laughs> it, really removing all of those barriers around volunteerism. And so we really look to um, individuals and, you know, corporations, um, family foundations to help us fund those programs. Uh, I would say about 30% of our entire operating budget is really funded by Honeycomb families who are coming out to our programs and pledging their support. And really, I think what they see firsthand is when they're supporting Honeycomb by mobilizing kids, they're getting, you know, all of these resources to organizations across the city. I and mean, we just did a big coat drive and had 800 brand new coats um, that Honeycomb families collected delivered to a local organization. Uh, in the fall, we had a Halloween costume drive and delivered 400 new costumes that were choice costumes for children living at shelters across the city. And so, you know, when you think about um, creating that opportunity, it really has exponential impact. Wow. I love it. I absolutely love it. Listen, it excites me. It excites me when, when I know people like you are in my world, when people like you and your organization is doing exactly what we all should be doing. And I say it quite often, if you build a strong foundation within your community, your community is even stronger. Listen, you know, I cannot thank you enough, Christina, for being on Fostering Change. I would love everybody to do me a favor. I want you to visit the Honeycomb Project. Maybe you're not located right there in Chicago. Maybe you're not located right there within the places where they are doing something. But I'm telling you something, this can inspire you. It can inspire you to get going within your community. You know, I say it often, take care of your backyard before you can take care of your front yard. But each and every one of us have a valuable thing. And and that is our time. We need to do that. We need to do, as my friend Christina says, lead by example. If you want to complain about it, 
You got to get in there and try to help fix it. And that's what we all should do. So until the next time of Fostering Change, thank you so much. Please visit the Honeycomb Project. We will be having all of the links on all of our social media platforms. And I will talk to all of you next Tuesday. Take care. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.